The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and this is definitely going to be a prospect uh, only type of pro- podcast. Uh, if you're in Dynasty Leagues, this is this is the one for you. Uh, got Alex Juicy Jensen from Prospects Live joining me today. And Alex has just been all over this uh, draft class. He's already uh, digging in on next year's uh, international class. Um, so I thought it'd be just great to have him on and kind of talk about some of the maybe under the radar guys from the class and guys that he's really high on and, and guys that could really, you know, you could be sneaky ads in, in your first year player draft. So Alex, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, James. Yeah. Nice to have you. Nice to be on your show. I don't think I've ever done a show with you to my recollection. So it's going to be fun to uh, break that ice. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's, it's uh, been following your work for a long time. Definitely overdue. Uh, what, what do you think, of this class as a whole. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's so impressive um, up at the top, but I mean, there's a lot to like even further down. Um, What what are your thoughts on the class as a whole? Yeah, I think it's a monster class. And I think too, kind of just in my early dig into the uh, January 15 class as well, I think it's a really strong international class as well. So I think that's just going to keep adding on top of it. But yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. I think obviously you've got the big five at the top this year, which kind of really helps, you know, lock in a strong first year player draft uh, in the first round. But I think there's a lot of depth this year as well. And in the draft in general and then in the players that signed, I think that we saw a lot more of the high end prep players sign than I expected personally. Like I think a lot of the guys that went mid round for like, you know, one to two million dollars somewhat over slot were guys I expected to make to campus. So yeah, I think it's a really, really strong first-year player draft this year. Before we get into all the, all the uh, you know exciting sleepers, you know exciting kind of high-end guys that that you're on, uh, who do you think had the best draft thus, like just in the early going? I mean, obviously we won't know who actually had the best draft for for several years, but um, I mean, there's a lot of really strong classes, so I'm just kind of curious who who you think. Uh, maybe walked away with the most talent walked away with the most talent is kind of tricky. Cause obviously the teams at the top and the teams that had a ton of picks have a pretty big advantage there. Um, I didn't expect myself to, but digging into the class, I ended up really liking what the pirates did a lot, which 
didn't necessarily expect to at the time of the draft. But the team for me is definitely the Brewers. I mean, especially compared to where they're picking and what they're working with. I, they have like, I have a top 150 first-year player draft coming out pretty soon, and that's including the international class. And they had, I think, eight players from this draft class end up on there, which was pretty impressive for me, and a lot of guys towards the top. So, yeah, I think the Brewers like absolutely killed it this year. Yeah, I a little biased, but I, I definitely agree with you. And I probably fr- I phrased that poorly. I mean, I think the way you kind of tackled it, the Brewers probably did the most with their resources is, is probably the best way to kind of phrase that. Um, so another quick kind of, you know, broad question. Um, so first year player draft strategy for this specific class. Um, most people do their first year player drafts in the off season. Um, if you're kind of looking at this class, are you trying to, to trade to get picks, you know, trade current prospects to get picks to trade into this first year player draft? Are you trying to trade up? Are you trying to trade down? Do you have any kind of, uh, overarching strategies for this specific class when it comes to first year player? I think for me, if I'm not in the top five, uh, if I'm in the top five, I'm definitely staying there. And then maybe in points, I'd be a little bit more inclined to pick towards the top just because I, I don't think there's a ton of pitchers I feel great about in this class. So in a points league, that might make a big difference. But generally speaking, I would like to trade down and acquire more picks just because I think it's such a deep class that I think you can do a lot of damage with those picks. And I don't think there's a, really a huge drop off between, say, the guys that might be there at pick 15 and the guys that are there at pick 7, 8. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that that makes sense to me, uh, at least at this stage. We'll see. You know, I mean, you never know by the time we get to October, November. Uh, there Obviously, there is this big five, but the, there could be like a couple guys where it's kind of clearly this is the guy you want at, at 6, 7, uh, et cetera. Um, but the big reason I wanted to have you on, I wanted you to talk about the guys you really love from this class. And we're going to start with Colt Emerson. Uh, the Mariners obviously, um, got three really talented prep hitters with their first three picks. Emerson was the one who got the biggest bonus. He was the first one they selected. He got 3.8 million after they took him 22nd overall, uh, shortstop from Ohio. Um, I mean, Tell me what you like about Emerson. And I mean, this, this Mariners org, it's just insane the way that they t- target and develop teenage position players. Yeah, all of a sudden. Uh, I wonder, <laughs> I think uh, Justin Hollander got promoted to uh, general manager last, uh, kind of in between seasons this year and then uh, kind of assistant general manager in 2020. And I think it's a good amount of his influence there and a lot of great work by Scott Hunter, but. Never pick the Mariners for a team that would just churn out high school prospects successfully. Uh, I love Cold Emerson. He is, if I look at my rankings really quickly, going to be seventh overall uh, on my board. So I'm pretty, pretty high on him. Uh, he was a guy, you know, I'm a Mariners fan personally, where I was just like, come on, Cold Emerson. Come on, Cold Emerson. And then we picked him. Great feeling. Always love that. But uh, I was kind of blown away even more so after the draft, getting a chance to see him in person. I did not realize how big he is. And maybe that's because he's so young and he has grown a bit. I see him listed a lot of time at like 6'1", 190. I'm not buying that. He's got a huge broad frame. I think he's probably like a legitimate 6'2", which means usually listed at 6'3", in my experience. Uh, But I think he's got the frame to grow into really big power. And I see him listed a lot of places like a 45 raw power guy. 
I don't buy that at all. I think that there's a chance that he could be growing to plus raw power. He's got the bat speed. He's got the barrel control to do it in game, but he's super broad shouldered. Uh, I, and he's got some of the thickest, like lower half I've seen on a shortstop. Personally, he moves really well. I mean, he was a star wide receiver. He was getting D one offers really athletic and he's got some of the best bat to ball in the class, I think. So to me, he just checks off every single box and he projects really well. And I'm bullish on the Mariners hitting development right now. So I think he's in a great spot. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You, you mentioned that he's he's bigger than listed. I mean, it, it can be kind of dicey when we evaluate prep uh, hitters, maybe specifically, and then this kind of applies to international players too. But when we're when we're looking at like video, their their pre draft video, um, it sometimes doesn't even tell an accurate story at all because some of that videos was shot, you know, like a year before the draft, six months before the draft when these guys are 17. So that's a really good point that, um, you know, the, the paint's not dry at all on a player like that. Um, I mean, this is just, he, he seems very much like the Mariners type of, of, of player. I mean, they went after Cole young, obviously last year, and he's another guy where, you know, the power grades, it was, it was just kind of all about the hit tool with Cole young. And now he's kind of tapping into, to some, uh, relevant power. Um, you know, we've seen it with some other uh, players in that system. How do you think Emerson stacks up with the very best uh, Mariners prospects right now? I think like to me, it's kind of like Cole Young and Lazaro Montes, um, you know, Harry Ford, obviously, uh, depending on how you want to order those guys, Tyler Locklear, um, where, where does Emerson kind of slot in for you? I think for me, there's a tier of four or five guys, five guys in fantasy, probably four guys in real life that are kind of all similar grades at the top. But I actually have Colt Emerson as the number one player in the system right now. Wow. I, I don't think that there's a player that combines his floor and ceiling, which seems crazy to talk about floor for a guy who turned 18, like right around the draft. But I, I the bats of ball skills, when you look at the long-term synergy, when you look at his makeup, his, you know, I mean, he just gets crazy reviews for how much of a grinder he is. He'd been a two sport player his whole life up until this year and took off when he stopped doing that. And then the frame, like I really, again, I'm bringing it up a lot. I know, but I was just kind of blown away. Like you could hyphenate his last name. He'd have room for it, you know, on the back of the Jersey with how broad his shoulders are. So I think that there's going to be a lot of power there. To me, he has more upside than a guy like a Cole young, even though he's further along in his development. That's, that's very interesting. Um, I didn't really have uh, any strong take either way on, on Emerson um, prior to him kind of, you know, obviously he's had a really impressive uh, debut at the complex level so far. He's, he's walking as much as he's striking out, um, certainly running a, a very high Babbitt, but, um, you know, power, speed, very impressive debut so far for him. And that's, that's really relevant, uh, what you bring up about the, the in-person look you got. Um, so uh, Matt Shaw, this is a guy that uh, for me was was the number six player in, in this class for first year player draft before before the actual draft. Uh, I feel even stronger about that um, since he's debuted and, and since he's had success at high A. Uh, so I think we're, we're in lockstep on Matt Shaw of the Cubs. Uh, what, what really kind of stands out to you about him? I think what stands out to me about him is – like how confident I am that his performance is going to translate for someone who's kind of seemed to have gotten a bit of mixed reviews up until the draft. And then once the draft was actually happening, everyone's like, Oh yeah, all MLB teams like him. 
But it seemed like kind of coming up to it. Like, oh, he might fall into the 20s. Like, people aren't sure what position he'll play. Like, people aren't sure how much the bat's going to translate. But I thought, particularly for me, I take a lot out of Cape Cod looks, and he blew me away on the Cape. I thought he was the best player there, to be honest, by a good margin. I think the bat speed is really explosive. I think that he makes a ton of contact. I think that he's going to hit for enough power in games. I think there's some speed there, and I think his mindset, even if the speed wanes a little bit, is going to still lead to some steals because I think he's going to try it out. Uh, for me, if he ends up at shortstop, that's awesome. If he ends up at second base, that's honestly even better for fantasy purposes. And I'm kind of bullish on what the Cubs have been doing and uh, like in their development, especially with similar player types where you know they've got the bat to ball. I worry a bit about guys that have swing and miss in their system, but if they don't have too much swing and miss, I don't think he does. They do a really good job with those players. So, yeah, for me, he's sixth overall. He's the first guy after the big five, and I, I think that the ceiling and the floor are both pretty high. Yeah, and that that does kind of come back to uh, what I was saying earlier. Like, there's that big five, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we get to you know December, January, when people are doing their first year player drafts, if if Shaw is a player that people are really kind of valuing um, in that top eight, top seven. Uh, you mentioned the the speed with him. Is that do you have a, a kind of a strong feel for for what type of stolen base output people can expect from Shaw in his mid twenties? It's kind of tough to say right now with like the new bases and, and the pitch clock rule because people might steal more than you think. But I think it's going to be more of like a ten to fifteen stolen base sort of thing. I don't think he's going to yeah. go crazy, but I think he's going to be trying it. Even if he's not fast, you know you're going to get some of that, which I think there's a tremendous amount of value in for a, you know a power hit player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this the next guy uh, that you really like, uh, George Lombard uh, with the Yankees. Um, I I'm kind of agnostic on him. I I mean, again, like the the video, the pre-draft video I saw of him, I didn't it didn't like jump off the the screen to me necessarily but um i i think uh the yankees have a, a decent track record with this type of player at least recently uh what's your what's your um evaluation on on lombard yeah so the yankees it sounds weird to say but to me that's like the biggest hangout for me with him is that he's going into the yankees system where you know you hear some things that are not particularly great about that Yankees system right now and the development from former players and stuff like that. And who really knows, but uh, yeah, it's not a point in the favor like it used to be, but uh, I've been, he checks one of the biggest boxes for me that I'll see, especially for a younger player, which is that, you know, after watching him starting off last summer and then up through the spring and into the draft, every time I see him, he's a little bit better. It seems like, and that's just in terms of the nuance of the game, in terms of his mechanics, and then also in terms of his raw tools, everything is ticked way up. I think when I first saw him over the summer, I was like, okay, there's going to be some power there, but it's going to be some swing and miss. He's not a great runner. His arm was kind of like weak. People were saying he might end up second base, even with how big he is. And I could kind of see it, to be honest, or maybe left field. And I was like, well, we'll see. And then I saw him again. I was like, oh, he's hitting really well towards the end of the summer. And, oh, he's a little bit faster than I thought. And then kind of watching him this spring, it's like, oh, like I I think I've got pretty much like 55s across the board on him right now. I think maybe the defense is a 50, but he's actually fast now. There's huge raw power. I think that his mechanics are pretty solid. He's shown me good looks against spin. He's shown me good looks against velocity. There's going to be a bit of a swing and miss because he is like growing into a 6'3 frame. But uh, 
growing up around the game too, his dad is, was a big deal prospect back in the day, kind of one of those like freak athlete sort of prospects. So, you know, the athleticism is going to be there in the family, but was also a bench coach for the Dodgers or not the Dodgers, pardon me, for the Tigers for a long time. And he just knows all the nuances of the game, which is really going to help him in his development. Uh, and to me, like when you look at him physically right now, he kind of looks like a young Alex Rodriguez. That's not a comp by any means, but like that's the type of frame you're working with. So I think there's going to be huge power there. I do think he'll hit in games. I think there's enough speed. I think he probably ends up at third base long term. But uh, I think there's a really high ceiling here for him. I think one of the highest ceilings in the prep class. And I still feel good about the hit tool. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really bullish on him. He's eighth overall in the class for me. Wow. Man, that you are you are very high on George Lombard. Um, is it where's Emerson uh, compared to Shaw and, and Lombard for you? Directly in between. He's seventh okay. overall in class for me. So my point about the the Yankees, I guess um, I just kind of want to unpack that quick because uh, I I actually really really like their farm system and I I think they've done a good job developing over the past like three to four years, uh, especially with uh, toolsy position players. Um, do you do you think it's just they've they've acquired talented players who have done well um, despite the Yankees, or, or like what what can you kind of expand on that that comment about the the Yankees development? Yeah, I think for the most part, it seems that they kind of went all in on the analytical approach, which is awesome. But it seems like their development has also taken that where everything has gotten so, so geared towards launch that I think it's creating some issues. I think it worked for a while, but now I think that we're kind of seeing people go away from that steep launch angle uh, type attack, and it's creating a lot of swing and miss issues within the organization. So a lot of guys that I've seen that I really liked coming into the organization, like Erotic Arias, who I've been really, really high on the whole time, uh, I think that they're creating some issues where you kind of see them tinker with their mechanics a bit that can lead to some issues. And I think that's why we haven't seen as many prospects churn out in the Yankees system for all the money they spend uh, that have really impacted the big league level. So there's a bit of concern there for me, but they've got a wave coming up right now. So we'll see if that starts to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, def- they definitely haven't produced much from the farm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the guys that they you know, if we kind of go back to sort of from from Anthony Volpe when they drafted him, like kind of from then on, I feel like uh, things are kind of trending in the right direction. I mean, you are right that they they do have uh, a lot of guys with, uh, you know, running high strikeout rates and, and that type of thing. I love I love Arias as well. Just a huge bummer that he got injured. Um, like, I think Again, he might have been yeah. trending toward like I I would have expected him to probably finish as like a top 25 prospect for me at the end of the season if he hadn't gotten in. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Yankees system. We'll, we'll see. That's, that's really a big vote of confidence from you to have Lombard uh, eighth in this, this class. Um, okay. Now this is really exciting because I haven't done really any work on this international class yet. Uh, Leo Dallas Devry. Um, Am I saying that right, do you think? I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, I think Leo <laughs> Dallas uh, Devries is how I would say it. Leo Dallas Devries. Um, he's a guy that, that you made a point of, of kind of highlighting here. Uh, what's your take on DeVry? Um, what's kind of the, the, the scouting report on DeVry? And then you mentioned this is a, another strong international class. I, I'd kind of be interested in your 
sort of process for scouting, evaluating these types of players. I think you and I are kind of um, similar process, similar type of types of things that, that we look for uh, just from, from hearing you. I think you were on Chris Welsh's podcast uh, not too long ago talking about this, but interested in just your kind of approach to evaluating um, you know, 15, 16 year old players um, like DeVry. So it's, it is really tough. There's no way around that. I think when I first started off, it was mostly just like grinding YouTube at the time, Facebook and Instagram, and just trying to get whatever video you could get. And it was tricky because you couldn't really get game tape quite as much. And it was really tricky. I think now I've adapted more to where I've started to make some connections with, you know, some of the academies. I can get a little feedback from certain academies. I talk a lot to team specific beat writers because a lot of time they'll have really good video on the next big prospects that they're going to be signing at least. And then I've uh, been lucky enough to, you know, through working in this industry, get in hold of a lot of the international scouts, and then you can get some feedback from them. And that's been the biggest thing I've been able to get. I'm not f- fully dug into where I'm like super confident that I know the whole international class super well, but I am confident on about 15 guys in the class that are kind of the guys that will be getting the biggest bonuses for the most part. Um, and there are, I think, nine or like, I think I have nine uh, international prospects on the top 150 that I felt confident enough in their abilities and my ability to know them um, well in this class. Uh, so that's kind of been my process for that for the most part is starting to lean on scouting reports and the video that I can find. And then just looking towards the mechanics is the biggest thing for me. I, there's so much projection going on. Mm-hmm. And trying as much as I can to find videos of them against spin. <laughs> because yeah. a lot of time you just see people kind of hitting fastballs or batting practice. And you're like, oh, this means that. But you really don't know what they're going to look like against spin until you see it. Um, Devries is a guy who I got probably the loudest feedback I've personally ever gotten on international prospects from scouts. Um, I think before the year when Ethan Salas was kind of the news coming out, he was getting promoted to A-ball. It's about when I heard this. Uh, I, I, got, I had an international scout text me and be like, hey, like that Ethan Salas guy is great. There's no doubt about it. He's probably the best player in the class. But the guy they got next year, even better. And that's Devries, who, I mean, they turned away an already locked in uh, top 10 prospect in the class to sign Devries to a bigger bonus with how much he's ticked up. Uh, he might not be a shortstop long term. He might go to third base. He's probably about an average runner right now. And he's already 185, could end up a little heavier. Not the tallest guy, he's about 6'1", but just long-term in-game track record, spin, velocity, all quarters of the zone, both sides of the plate, really clean swing mechanic, has done nothing but hit since he was like 12 in games. Big-time raw power, too. I think he could be genuinely a 60-hit, 60-power guy. Uh, really good defensive actions. Wherever he does end up, it's going to play well. And to me, you don't see too many players that have a chance to be genuine five-tool prospects where I feel confident in their hit tool as a 16 year old. And Devries is one of those guys. You are, dude, you're like the, the expert on a 15 guys in the industry. I feel, um, that's, I I would toss out Badler and Jesse Sanchez. Well, for, for, for like, you know, spinning it to like kind of a fantasy, um, you know, putting up, putting a fantasy spin on it, man. Uh, really impressive frontier. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, where, like, no preconceived notions can go in and kind of mess with my head a little bit. Yeah, it, it is the final frontier. It's like there's there. It's just so hard to get any kind of uh, confidence 
on uh, on these guys based on just like what you know what Badler and Jesse Sanchez do. It's it's incredibly impressive work, but it's still it's kind of fraught with a lot of just uncertainty still, even if you read everything they put out and you watch every single video that, that you can get your hands on in the public sphere, it still does feel kind of like a, a final frontier to me. Yeah, um, I'm with you. All right. Let's, uh, let's head to a quick message from our sponsors and then we're going to get into uh, some sleepers and some fades. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10 one being the most unfavorable for a good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit games that have the highest index 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year and index is created for each game. So you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game, as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. All right, back here with Alex Jensen talking FYPD. Uh, Cooper Pratt of the Brewers, uh, you kind of alluded to 
to him um, not making it to campus, surprisingly. It, it certainly seemed like things were headed that way after day one. Uh, but the Brewers come in, uh, give him a $1.35 million bonus uh, in the sixth round, I believe. Um, he's, you know, Jim Callis was on on my show before the draft. He, he was saying he'd been hearing kind of like Gunnar Henderson comps on Pratt. Um, so really excited about him. He's looked good in his in his pro debut. Uh, what's what's your kind of scouting report on Pratt? Yeah, I remember, man. Yeah, Callis was super high on him coming into the draft, and he looks pretty smart right now because of it. I think he was a guy I kind of missed a good amount over the summer. I saw, I think, a little bit of him at WWBA, but I didn't get it too big of a look at him, and he wasn't super on my radar up until right before the draft. Uh, I I like his mechanics a lot. I think it's kind of like a Ryan Braun sort of thing. Someone else pointed that out, and it's hard for me to unsee it now. Uh <laughs> But the bigger thing, too, is uh, it kind of went unnoticed because Mississippi prep bats have the, you know, kind of people tend to think, oh, we know it's Mississippi prep, like just throw them out. Like they don't tend to pan out. So people kind of ignored a lot of his bat to ball data. But it's nuts, man. Like it's it's up there with pretty much anyone in the class, including like a Jacob Wilson type guy. Like he makes a ton of contact and it's showing right now. Uh, really good swing decisions. Uh, really good frame. Six, four, strong, athletic. Uh, kind of has really good defensive actions. He looks like he might stick at shortstop. Kind of unlikely that he'll stick at shortstop being 6'4", but right. the actions in the arm are there. He can throw from a lot of different slots really well. So if he does end up at third base, it's going to be really good defense there that'll probably force him into lineups. Uh, I don't know. The power isn't showing up too much in-game, but again, he's 6'4", and has decent bat speed, so you think it's going to show up at some point. But really, I think he has a chance to have a plus hit tool. I, I think that that's kind of my projection for him right now with his swing decisions, his bat to ball, his end zone contact rate was like 94% or something like that. Nutty. And I'm pretty bullish on the Brewers' development right now, especially with bats, uh, especially with taller bats too. They do a really good job of mitigating length and swings. So, yeah, I think that he has a chance to be a player who impacts the game in five categories and also who – is just one of the best hitters in the class straight up and grows into some power. So I'm really, really bullish on him. He's a uh, 15th overall for me in the class. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, to your point, uh, 36% line drive rate so far at the complex level, uh, 30% ground ball rate. Um, pretty encouraging there. And do you have him uh, ahead or behind Brock Wilkin? I have him behind Brock Wilkin by one spot. Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got Wilkin top ten, um, but I, you know, I could I definitely see the case for Pratt top twenty. Um, just kind of weighing the the extra couple of years, I probably have to wait on him. Um, a guy that you put into this kind of range, uh, at least for for us to discuss, uh, who I don't even have in my top four hundred yet is AJ Ewing, uh, who the Mets gave, uh, 675 K to, uh, definitely a notable signing bonus, but I, I really hadn't studied him a, a ton, um, leading up to this. So, so what do you like so much about Ewing? He's a guy who was a big standout over the summer for me. And then every time I watch him, I just, I still feel the same way. He's probably got one of my favorite swings in the class, which I'm pretty big on, especially for preps. Like how does the swing look? How is that going to you know, work in double A? Because, man, nothing messes up a developmental curve like having to redo your mechanics in like you know high A or something like that. 
to me, it's really good. He opens up his hips pretty early. Uh, he's got kind of like a bigger leg. He's a smaller guy. I think he's like six foot one, one seventy five ish. Probably going to wind up around one ninety or so. Not going to be the biggest frame ever, but tremendous amount of bat speed. And then he has one of the smoothest swings I think in the class, which allows him to kind of use his base a bit more without creating timing issues. Uh, he'll fly open a little bit. He's kind of looking to like launch and pull the ball a bit. So sometimes spin away can be a bit of an issue for him. But overall, he just makes really good contact. He gets the ball in the air. It's like ideal launch angle a lot of the time when he does get the ball in the air. I think he's going to grow into some power. There's some real, real bat speed there. He can catch up to anything. Really good contact ability. And then when you watch him play, I wouldn't say he has any true plus tools. I think that maybe the hit tool can get there if he can handle the uh, spin away a little bit better, but probably a 55. I think it's going to be 55 raw power down the line. Maybe not all of that in game, but you know, decent raw power with the bat speed. He's a 55 runner. He'll probably end up at second base long term. He doesn't have a huge arm, but he plays the game with kind of reckless abandon. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Thomas Agassi coming out, and he's kind of reminds me of a left-handed version of him where it's not like the most typical mechanics of all time, but it's really good bat to ball and it gets to the ball really cleanly. Like I think that it will continue to adjust. And I think he's going to grow into more power than a lot of people expect. Uh, he's not someone I'm taking in the first round or anything, but he's in the low thirties for me in my rankings. And I actually like him more than Colin Howe personally. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Hauk when we get to the, the fades. Um, but wow, that's, that's a, uh... That's uh, I mean, he got what, like a, a quarter of the bonus that that Hulk got, basically. <laughs> so. Hey, slight, slightly more than a, <laughs> slightly more, but yeah, aesthetically um, that, different players. Sure, sure, yeah, I I see where you're going there. Uh, okay, let's talk about some of these prep righties. Um, Josh Noth, uh, Brewers gave two million to Blake Walters. Uh, I really, really liked him. I liked Noth and Walters going into the draft. Um, and I liked Walters enough that I still like him, even though the Royals drafted him. Um, and then you have Xander Muth of the, the pirates uh, in with these guys. Uh, Muth kind of gets, he gets comp to, to Tanner Hawks, like sinker slider from, from Illinois. Um, didn't, I didn't quite see the, the same level of upside there as I do with Noth and Walters, but can you kind of break down these three prep righties and, and what you like about them? Yeah, I'd love to. And for the record, I do have it Muth, Walters, Noth in that, that order, but they're all back okay. to back in my rankings. So it's literally the exact same tier. Uh, I guess I'll start with, uh, with Muth. I've kind of quietly become very bullish on the Pirates pitching development. And okay. I do think landing spot and how they fit into the dev is really huge for me. Uh, I, Muth for me is kind of a guy who just continued to pop as the draft kind of went on, and I got to see more recent looks of him. He was a younger guy, really big frame. I think he's about six six two ten right now, going to grow into a huge frame. Already got pretty good velocity. Uh, the first couple innings of a start, he'll come out ninety six ninety seven. It's really really big running and seeking action from a lower arm slot, and it kind of just runs right in and kind of saws off the bat of same side hitters. But then what I really like is how his slider tunnels off of the fastball. I think that it's kind of, they stay tunneled pretty much right before the plate. And then one runs way, the, way away from righties and one runs right into him. I think that if you're starting off that fastball coming in on your hands, it is really hard to A, lay off of 
that slider. And B, it's really hard to fully commit to the swing to as you're worried about getting your hand sawed off uh, while you're doing it. I also thought he flashed a really good changeup. He doesn't use it a ton, but it flashed plus for me. Wow. So I think that he can kind of make the ball go away from you really well while tunneling it with a pitch that comes right in on you. I think he's going to get a lot of ground balls with the fastball. I wouldn't be shocked if he's coming out throwing 98 to 100 early in games uh, in a few years once he starts to grow into his frame fully. Uh, I think he's a bit scattershot. He, oh, and of course, he's got the dropping action with the changeup. So I think that there's a lot there with that. Uh, frame is there for a really durable guy. Uh, I think he's already holding, you know, his fastball. He's hitting 95 late in starts. He drops somewhere 92 to 95 later in starts, but that's there for a guy who's just barely 18. I think he might have been 17 during the draft. Uh, command, bit come and go. There's a lot of movement on the pitches, and he throws from a kind of a weird arm angle where he kind of almost has like an infielder arm action. Really loose, really athletic delivery, but uh, he can get it at scatter shot. I'm really bullish with what they've done with guys like Jared Jones who are kind of like that. Uh, over the last few years. So I really like the landing spot, good place to pitch. And uh, I'm kind of bullish with what their pitching development is going to be going forward. Really like Muth for that reason. Walters was probably my second or third favorite guy coming into the class. Casey pitching dev. I don't really know. I like a lot of the guys they targeted this year. I actually like hero wide a lot too. He's kind of similar to Muth in some ways, but uh, Walters, what I really like about him is the fastball jumps. Like it's one of those things where you can see that it's got huge IVB, like just visually watching it. There's no doubt about that. It seems to just explode into the mitt. Uh, so I think he has a chance to have safely a 60, but maybe a bit more of a fastball as he fills out his 6'4 frame. Uh, but the biggest thing I really liked with him is that he commands his pitches really well, and he's kind of a chess player on the mound, where particularly with his slider, it'll be kind of almost more of a gyro action a lot of the time where it'll kind of bullet in there on him. But when he's got two strikes, all of a sudden, he'll kind of throw that pitch with a little bit more break on it and just kind of let it sweep across and miss bats a bit more. So I, I really like the mental aspect of him as a pitcher as well as he's a freakish athlete uh, yeah. as well. So he's kind of a guy that I would like no matter where he ended up, and we'll kind of see what happens with the Royals pitching dev. And then Noth, I just thought, let's like, again, like I keep saying it with the Brewers, it helps having good player dev for this, but that's a perfect spot for him. I mean, not many teams have done as well with really high spin pitchers as the Brewers have. I have a bit of words with the fastball. I mean, it gets up to 98 at, at best. Uh, he's a smaller guy, so I don't know how well he'll hold it late in the starts, but he's held it pretty well so far in shorter, you know, shorter outings and limited workload. Uh, but it is really straight. So I think that a lot of the time it's going to be hard contact when people connect with it, even though it's got the velocity. So I worry about home runs a bit, but I think he's going to be a really high strikeout guy. I think that the changeup has flashed really well for me. It's really nascent, but, you know, there's a lot there. I, I think that if you're just grading on pure stuff, you can make a case for him up with anybody. I mean, he's got two pitches that are over 3,000 RPMs that have mm -hmm. really good shape and power to him as well. And it's just kind of coming down to, uh, you know, how long can he hold it? And is he going to be an elite reliever or is he going to be a high strikeout starter? So, yeah, yeah, I'm really bullish on those three guys in particular. Yeah, and the Brewers don't go after prep arms uh, high in the draft usually. So, Obviously, they really liked uh, his potential. I mean, just kind of a, a really moldable ball of clay for them. Um, what's your, what's kind of your tactic when it comes to prep pitchers in first year player draft? Is there kind of a, a range of the draft where you kind of start looking at uh, your favorite prep arms? I mean, every class has some guys you can fall in love with on that side of the things. It's just kind of a, a risk first reward type of thing i think for me i tend to avoid taking them super early i mean there's been 
situations where it happened. Uh, like uh, Mackenzie Gore and Daniel Spina were two guys where I was just so high on them. I was like, I, I want these guys. But I, I kind of will only do that if I think that they're someone that's ready to handle like double A immediately, which is pretty, pretty rare that you actually mm-hmm. see that. Uh, and I tend to like the really athletic guys because I think they'll repeat a bit better. Uh, otherwise, I tend to wait pretty late. I think this year I'm a bit more bullish than most years just because I think that for the last few years we haven't had really good college pitching. I think this year that's blatantly true. And I do think this is a really good high school pitching class this year, really deep. Uh, but I still would like to wait until, you know, the fourth or fifth round before I kind of dabble into it. I think it's a I'd rather pick guys up who pop in a year or two that are just available than invest heavily in case someone tends to, happens to work out really early. I don't have this in the the outline, uh, but uh, what's your what's your take on Hurston Waldrop? Um, like he's to me, he's the. He's my second favorite pitcher in the class behind Skeens for for first year player, and I uh, really like his landing spot. Really like what he's done so far. Um, how does he kind of stack up for you? Uh, yeah, he's my second. Uh, there's kind of a tier of guys. I kind of have uh, Waldrip, Meyer, and Louder kind of all in a tier. I think they're back to back to back in that order sure. uh, for different reasons. Uh, but Waldrip for me was kind of a I want to see where he goes. And he landed in kind of the perfect spot, I felt yep. like, for him. And, I, you know, a team that's going to move him really quickly. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think the stuff's huge. I think you can make a case, even including schemes, that he has the highest ceiling, if you're like 90th percentile outcome in the class. I, I think that his pure array of stuff might be higher ceiling schemes, even if the floor is a lot lower. So if kind of if I'm going to take a shot in the second round, ideally, on a pitcher, especially in a points league, Walter could be the guy target. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I love the idea of getting Waldrip in the second round. Uh, and it was all about the landing spot for me as well. Like, there's probably 10 teams that he could have been drafted by where I've just been like, oh, never mind. Um, all right. Uh, so these now we're getting into deep sleepers. Uh, only one of these guys got a signing bonus over 500K. Uh, I guess... Uh, do you so? Do you want to just kind of go through them quickly? Do you want me to kind of, um, you know, you got Zaire Hope, outfielder with the Cubs, uh, TJ Walton, outfielder with the Phillies, uh, Jake Bloss, right-handed pitcher with the Astros, Garrett Forrester, uh, third baseman for the Pirates. That that was the guy that got uh, over 500K. Uh, then you got Dylan Kested, uh, righty with the Twins, and Josh Bostic, righty with the Giants. Um, you want to kind of go sort of quick hit on, on what you like about these guys? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, so Zaire hope, I think the big thing is he's got a really pretty swing. There's probably like at maturity, 60 grade raw power there. Uh, he's maybe an 80 runner. He's really fast. He plays right field mostly, which is kind of weird for a guy that fast, but he's got a huge arm. Uh, and then it just kind of comes down. To he's a super aggressive hitter with a bit of length and loft in his swing. So if he's going to make contact, which he's done so far, he's going to be a big fantasy asset. Uh, it's just kind of, is he going to, and we'll see you on forward, but for a flyer, I mean, the guy who, you know, if he had a 50 hit tool, he'd be a top 20, probably fantasy asset in the class. So like him a lot, uh, TJ Walton is a guy who just has really good bat to ball skills and is so big that he doesn't have to do much to get to a lot of power. <laughs> I like that a lot. I think the Phillies have developed that kind of bat pretty well and just watching him. I mean, all he really does is hit and 
just super easy power. And I don't really care where he ends up. He'll probably end up in the outfield somewhere that plays the same in most leagues. So I think he could be a nice little hit power guy. That's not going to cost you too much. And he missed a lot of the summer circuit. So that kind of kept the buzz low on him, but he's hitting Florida. Uh, Jake Bloss is kind of an analytics guy for me who wound up in a really good spot with Houston. I, I think that he's got a really good four pitch mix. I think he could have a plus fastball and four above average pitches with some decent command. And I think he's a guy that's going to really take off in pitching dev because he did with, uh, I think it was the uh, Cape Cod league or draft. I got to remember off the top of my head, uh, really took to pitching there and, uh, going to the Astros, I'll do a pretty good job of optimizing him. Uh, Forrester is one of my big guys. I think that if you're looking for who the next Kyle Manzardo, Nathan Martadella, Martarella kind of guy in this class is, that's my okay. pick. He doesn't swing too much. Really, uh, really quick or really uh, good swing decisions. Looks to do damage when he does. Doesn't have huge raw power, but he does hit the ball hard. And uh, yeah, I think he's just kind of you get the idea with the mold there. Cusad uh, is a fastball profile sort of a guy i think he's a lot like zach showalter don't have to go too much more into that but i think that uh the twins do a really good job developing that type of pitcher and again you can get him really cheap uh Bossick's another guy who really shined for me in the cape cod league when he went there uh huge slider i thought it was a 60 maybe a 70 at times slider and he's just kind of jumped each time i've looked at him as he gets more development uh from mlb sources so i think those are guys who could really pop in this time next year that's a that's a great list. Uh, everyone's always looking for for these types of uh, six figure sleepers, and you know every class has has a bunch of these guys who end up popping. Um, so that's a, it's a nice list for people to kind of dig into. Uh, all right, let's get into the fades. Uh, we're we're in lockstep on, on about half of these guys. Um, you have Dylan Head, you have Kendall George, Jacob Wilson, uh, Colin Houck. Uh, I, the Kendall George to uh, the Dodgers, that was one of the more surprising picks to me of uh, of day one. It just, it was surprising to me that the Dodgers were the team that that was interested in him. Um, how how would you kind of, you know, when you say you're fading these guys, is it kind of just you know, how low are you on them? Like kind of relative to the market. Cause I mean, a lot of these guys are, are big names, obviously, you know, I've, I feel kind of bad for Jacob Wilson at this point, because every time we talk about this class, like I end up kind of, um, you know, making it clear that I'm not a fan of him for fantasy and not a fan of that pick. Um, but I mean, how, how low are you on these guys? And I guess you could kind of go sort of one by one in terms of why you're, you're kind of lower on them. So, yeah, Dylan Head, I think I'll start off with him because I think that he's going to be a really good player overall. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really good defender. I just, when I watch him, and maybe it's the Padres uniform, I don't know, but he just reminds me a ton of Xavier Edwards, who is another guy who had a ton of buzz uh, at, at the time uh, for the Padres as well. I think he's probably at least a 50 hitter, maybe a 55. I think he's got good bat to ball. His swing has some issues with it that I'm worried about as he gets to like high double A, but... For now, it doesn't matter, and we'll see how the Padres develop him. But the biggest thing for me is covering the ACL for Prospects Live. I've gotten a lot of looks at him, and he most of the time is just kind of looking to kind of slap the ball the opposite way on putting the ball on the ground a ton, where I do think that there is some raw power in there, especially for a guy as fast as he is. But I don't think it translates to games particularly well. I think that he's kind of looking to use his speed. And I really worry about that power showing up in games, and I worry about 
kind of it seems to me a lot of the time that these guys stall out in high A double A because they're putting the ball around ton and relying on poor defense and their speed. And all of a sudden their speed goes down just a tick and the defense goes up a bit and they kind of get frustrated and have to work on their mechanics and that can really stall development. So he's someone that worries me compared to where he's going. I think a lot of guys have him in the top twenties. I have him more in the mid forties. Yeah. Just quickly on that. Like I, I don't like those types of hitters at all uh, anymore. Um, Like kind of reminds me. (laughs) (laughs) There was, there was a time like, five, six years ago where I, I love the idea of guys going the opposite way. Um, and I mean, there's, there's still a place for that, but, uh, like kind of reminds you, you sort of described Justin Crawford to me there. Um, like Xavier Edwards is, is a good cop as well, but just, it, it just, I, I'm not into that, that archetype at all. Um, so yeah. Uh, then I guess Kendall George, um, I'd even gotten someone, someone from uh, who kind of covers uh, Texas preps was, was telling me that they, they had a source that do, don't even think uh, George can stick in center field because of his routes, um, which would really put a ton of stress on the bat. So what, what's your, what's your take on George? Yeah. Yeah. I, another guy I've gotten a lot of look at uh, being in the, covering the ACL, but uh, yeah, I think George, you alluded to how surprising the pick was. Even he was surprised because the Dodgers apparently told him they were going to draft him in the second round. Um, and then I think that they were targeting Farmelo head and uh, maybe one or two other players that I don't know for sure. And they just kind of all went off the board right in front of them. And that <laughs> messed them a little bit there. And they ended up just kind of panic picking uh, George who I think he could be a good player like in real life. But for fantasy, I'm not as big. I think you do see a lot of time the guys that are the true, like, easy 80 runners, like, they don't need to develop their routes particularly well because they can just get to the ball, and that stalls their development a little bit. But uh, the big thing for him is, yeah, he's just kind of a slap hitter for me, Mm -hmm. like, really. Like, genuinely, he's a true slap hitter, even way more so than Head, who's just, I'm so fast that I know that if I put the ball on the ground anywhere to the right side, you're not going to get me. So he's actually actively looking to put the ball on the ground and just letting the ball travel super deep and creating soft contact because that means he's going to get to first. Uh, I think he could steal a lot of bases. I don't really like targeting guys if it's just for steals. I, I think yeah. that they can kind of sap your team and you can find them elsewhere. Uh, and you know, I love Dodgers development. Who doesn't? But it's tough for me to see the path to him being a big fantasy asset. And uh, there's a lot of things that concern me about his development. Yeah, I mean, did... So they they wanted him in the the second round, which would have been pick sixty, where they got Jake Geloff. Um, I mean, that would have made a bit more sense. It just doesn't. I don't know. Like it, it's surprising. Um, and it's it's going to really test the Dodgers' development <laughs> for for everything you you kind of laid out there. Um, so Jacob Wilson, like we're we're fading Jacob Wilson. Everyone seems to be fading Jacob Wilson. Um, but what does that mean, like? If, if we're all fading Jacob Wilson, is there a spot in a first-year player draft where if you saw him there, you'd be like, all right, this is good enough value? Um, or is it just such a meh like profile that you're just not you're just going to go after upside sort of regardless of where he falls? I think if you're in like a super deep league, it makes sense to get him because he's going to play shortstop. I mean, I think for as bad of a fantasy player as I do think he will be, like – He's a good actual real life player. He's a tremendous shortstop. It's kind of unbelievable for a guy who's not that fast. Like he's got really good instincts, really good arm at shortstop. He'll make some highlight real plays. Uh, he's six three, so maybe some power could come. I don't see the A's as the team to unlock that though. But yeah, to me, he's just kind of a soft contact generator, which 
I'm not particularly high on. I, I think that I'd rather have impact contact and take the strikeouts personally. Uh, so yeah, I kind of struggle to see him as a fantasy asset that I'd want to roster, even if I do think he will get pro at bats for sure. Yeah, it's a good point about the defense. I mean, um, it's just like if if he could just be like a plus runner, that would that'd be great. Because um, then it's like, well, you can at least you can help me in, you know, maybe three of the five categories. And uh, but yeah, just I don't know. Um, yeah, he's in the sixties, I think, for me. Late fifties or early sixties. I think that's that's kind of around where I've got him as well. Um, which is just it's so it's so nutty uh, to say about a guy who went six overall and is a college hitter, <laughs> but that's, that's where we're all at. he really does is just not get strikeouts. I don't even know that I think he'll hit for high average. So yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's very athletics. Yeah, they do what is. they're going to do. They are, they're the toughest team, I think, to kind of figure out exactly what they, what they see in some of the players they go after. Um, so we, we mentioned Colin Houck earlier uh, with the Mets uh, and how you prefer uh Orgmate AJ Ewing. Uh, so what's what what are the reasons to be kind of skeptical of, of Colin Howe? And so I will mention he is of the guys that were mentioned for the fade so far, he's the guy on the highest on my list. But really for me, what it is is I got a lot of feedback from people I like a lot that he's a great player. But man, when I watch him, I, I think he's kind of like a I think he's a right-hand dominant swinger, is really what it is. And that kind of creates he kind of looks like he's just kind of throwing his hands at the ball when he swings. And that can lead to some good, like, raw power. But when I watch him, I don't think he has any real barrel control. And so I I just think he's going to hit a ton of ground balls. And that's what really concerns me. He's been a bit of a free swinger. He was a star quarterback, so I'm willing to forgive that. I think that there's maybe some development upside for him because he's been such a two-sport guy. And there's, you know, there's good raw tools. He makes a lot of contact considering when he's, you know, swinging at strikes at least. And there's raw power there. He's a really, really good athlete. But the swing aesthetically, man, I, I just don't like it at all. And I kind of seen the early returns on it. Like it's really kind of corroborating what I thought coming into it. And so I'm just really concerned that he's going to be a guy who hits for real impact in games. Yeah, I, that uh, that all kind of checks out to me. Um, so you've got five more fades to to sort of, varying degrees here uh these these ones i a couple of them i was actually really high on um heading into the draft and and a couple i was just sort of you know i can see the the case for taking a swing on this guy in the the late rounds of first year player draft uh the guy i was highest on uh sammy stafura um it's been a rough rough pro debut for for stafura i don't know how much of your fate is sort of based on pre-draft versus post-draft for him uh, but what, what do you not like about Stafura? So Stafura for me was a guy who he actually got mocked the Mariners a couple times. And I was just, I, I was pretty out on him personally. I, I thought that he was kind of just a sellout for power, looking to loft the ball too much. And kind of the negatives I was saying about the Yankees player dev was, uh, had a lot to do with Stafura's game where it's kind of all sold out for certain results and there's no nuance whatsoever. And then he landed with the Reds and I was like, I've been banging the drum on the Reds, hitting Dev for like two or three years now. Like that's the perfect landing spot. This could be great. And then I moved him way up and then I got looks at him because I covered the ACL. And even with that hitting Dev, like he just looks lost, man. Like I I don't think he tracks balls. And I think that that may have gotten disguised a bit playing in New York 
and yeah. playing in a ballpark that is really conducive to power with a really short fence. And I, I just, it's tough for me to look at a guy who I think is maybe like right now, I think there's potentially more, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's like a 30 hitter right now. And it's, that's scary for me to invest in, even mm-hmm. in an org where I'm really bullish on their hitting depth. He's yeah, a good shortstop. I mean, he's a really good athlete. I think he's going to run. I think he can stick at the position. I think there is some raw power there, and I think he'll get to all the in games with how his swing is. But yeah, just some concerns. Yeah, my my evaluation on him pre draft was basically, um, I love everything except I I don't know how much he's going to hit. But if he hits, then I I love the rest of the profile, um, and like the the fact he was playing in New York was kind of a big part of just the the question mark there on the hit tool, um, but. Yeah, I mean you're right. Like so far, it uh, everything you're describing uh, kind of shows up in his his stat line thus far, which is uh, which is pretty. Uh, I test as well. Trust me. If you yeah, watch yeah. him try to track spin, it's it's not pretty right now. Yeah, and sixty uh, percent fly ball rate for him, um, which is past the danger zone. Um, so that that kind of aligns with what you were saying as well um nazan zanatello was a guy that uh you know i i like the landing spot with the red Sox, um and i kind of like the fact that they wanted him um because they i, I sort of like their track record of targeting uh you know prep hitters uh in the draft but uh, what what are you not digging about zanatello so I do have a big concern with him. It sucks I want to like him because he's like he's a 10 out of 10 makeup guy. Like he's he's a really cool kid. I, I like him a lot as a person. I think the raw tools are huge. I mean, yeah, he's he's got some big raw tools, big power, big speed. I think that he's gonna be an interesting defender. I don't know where he ends up exactly, but he's an exciting defender to watch. I, I think he actually like has a good feel for the, the strike zone. I don't he just swings through so many balls. And I think that it has to do with his swing mechanics. And so it's tough for me to like figure out how he's going to fix a hit tool that I'm concerned about when he's already doing the things that you can mostly control pretty well. And it's still creating huge issues. And so far I haven't seen a huge amount of sample size on him, but the games that I've watched him as a pro, it's like really, really stood out where he's got a really good feel for the zone. He's just swinging through a lot of strikes again. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just tough for me. I tend to invest more in hit tools than anything else in first-year player drafts, especially with preps. And with Zanatello, the hit tool concerns me. Okay, yeah, well, that, that would explain um, why you're lower on Brandon Winokur and, and George Walkow, uh, because hit tool, definitely not the, the strong um, aspect of their games. Uh, Winokur, I think, you know, kind of made a name for himself uh, at the Combine and uh, Walkout, one of the youngest hitters in the in the class. Um, is it just you just don't think they're going to hit enough? Yeah, it's just man, like so. Batonti, for example, like there's a lot of length in his swing as well, but I think he does a good job mitigating it and the way he uses his base and stuff like that. He still can get to power without the length of swing. I don't really see a path with Winokur and Walkout to even if they're seeing the ball well, keep their swing short enough that it's going to work in like double A. I get investing in them. They're great athletes. They've got huge, huge raw power, but they're just type of guys where my experience has been, it just tends to not work out even if they have really loud, like low A stats or something like that. And Winokur with the twins walk out with the white Sox. Yeah. Um, not the best dev. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, well, I, I definitely get what you're saying with the the White Sox. Do you think that the Twins are kind of below average dev? I don't think they do a great job at mitigating swing and miss issues. Sure. I think they do certain things really well, but yeah, mitigating swing and miss issues is not what I've seen them thrive with. Now, your last fade is a, is a prep righty, not going to be a hard sell. Uh, I thought there was a decent amount of upside there that made him interesting, but Charlie Soto uh, also with the twins. Uh, what do you not like about him? Yeah, I think so. He's a guy where if you're just like reading like the raw tool grade, you're like, Oh, this guy's amazing because he does have huge stuff. I, I think that, the fastball has some decent metrics with a lot of power to it. It does tend to fall off a little bit later in games, but that's fine. He's super young. He's got a huge frame. But the thing for me was just when you watch him pitch, like the mechanics are all over the place. Like for as good as his like raw pitch grades are, like I can tell what pitch is coming by where his arm slot is every single time. Like he'll, he'll drop his hands for certain pitches. He'll go over the top for other ones. I, I think that a lot of his power comes from his hips, which is awesome. But a lot of the time, his arm gets out of sync with that, which creates two big concerns for me. One, getting scatter shot, which I think he is for sure. Uh, and that's somewhat fine. But also, I think he's got huge injury risk, personally. Mm-hmm. I think when you're getting your hips driven through super hard, but you've got a stiff delivery, which he does. He's not a super athletic delivery. It's a pretty stiff delivery. And then your, you know, your shoulders get kind of out of whack with your hips. That's putting a lot of strain on every joint in that arm. So. I've got a lot of concern that he's going to be able to handle the rigors of being a starter, both from a, you know, an accuracy standpoint and also from an injury standpoint. So for me, it's just that's not a thing I want to invest in. I think he's going pretty high. I think he's going probably as like the number like three or four prep pitcher in the class. I'm not willing to invest close to that. So I'd rather just wait and see what happens and let someone else take that risk. Yeah. I mean, I, he's the type of guy where I think I probably had him ranked, I don't know in the sort of 25 to 40 range, but he's also just the type of guy I would never really end up with in a first year player draft. Uh, for the reason you said, like you're not using a second or third round pick on a prep righty that you don't absolutely love. Um, and, and then you touched on three other prep righties earlier who, you know, there's not really a, a strong case that they don't have as much upside, if not more than Soto. So, uh, definitely get that. Uh, Alex, this has just been awesome. Very, very informative. Uh, a lot of good nuggets. Um, why don't you let people know where they can get that 150 you're working on? Um, I think that one's just going to go straight to Twitter for me. I, I kind of want more engagement on that and I'll, preferably not behind a paywall, which sure. don't get me wrong. Subscribe to Prospects Live. Uh, we have a great, great product. Uh, but we've got a lot of people doing first-year player draft stuff on the site as well. For me, I just kind of wanted to get that out there. And I'm hoping I can release it, uh, if not at the same time as this pod comes out, within a day of it. Uh, got just 20 more blurbs to do. Been pumping out about 20 a day for the last week or so. So it's going to go 150 deep. It's going to have full player draft or uh, full tool grades on every player. Uh, and it's going to have a little bit of video just pulled off Twitter for everyone. So you can kind of quickly get a look from the site with some uh, full write-ups and uh yeah, I'm pretty excited to get that out and get the interaction going and talk to people like you more. Yeah, and if if you want to get your hands on that, it's at Jensen underscore Juicy. Uh, and this pod's definitely going to beat that. Uh, I do a quick turnaround, so this will be up. Okay. Uh, this will be up in like half an hour. But uh, okay, definitely, definitely tomorrow. Follow, then definitely uh, tomorrow, follow Alex on Twitter at Jensen underscore Juicy if you want to get your hands on that top 150. Uh, 
again, really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Um, best of luck with everything and uh, hope to do it again soon. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.